0: There's such a need for it. In fact, human resources is ripe for innovation right now. And I know there's a lot of external market pressure around innovating with, with technology, but innovation doesn't have to be a technology. So innovation is definitely a place of great opportunity within human capital and something we should be constantly looking out for how we can leverage what others have done in other areas and apply it to the human resources function.
1: Don't conduct your analysis in isolation, because data is so incredibly powerful. Not
0: defending just the tribe, but defending the organization.
1: Those creative people that you really want to keep empowered, keep excited, keep motivated, keep thinking. A good experience pays dividends down the line. Here is types like tend to break down in proximity. Welcome to Only Human, a podcast about human resources, business, technology, and the workplace. My name is Ben Eubanks, your host, and I'm so glad you're here. Welcome to today's discussion, where we're going to dive into innovation, taking ideas from vision to reality, building stronger relationships with your stakeholders, and more. I had so much fun talking with Karen Wagner, the Senior Director of Talent Transformation for United Health Group, and I can't wait to share this with you. This is another chapter of an incredible series here on We Are Only Human. Over the next month or two, I'm getting an opportunity to speak with a select group of IBM talent and transformation clients that are leading insightful, innovative HR transformation journeys. You can learn more about this at ibm.biz slash talentacquisition. That's ibm.biz slash talentacquisition. I'll make sure that link is in the show notes. And if you enjoy this episode, be sure to rate and review it on Apple, Stitcher, Google Play, anywhere you get your podcasts. We're on Spotify now and all the places. Now, if you've ever asked yourself how we can be more innovative within HR, how we can lead that, not just follow, but really drive this with the, the levers we can pull, the practices we have at hand, this episode is for you. Let's dive in. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of We're Only Human. I am Ben Eubanks, your host, and just really glad to have you here. You know, we talk a lot about HR, competitive practices. We talk about other topics. But one thing I'm always a fan of is really digging into innovation, not just the idea of innovation, but how we make that happen in practical ways. And sometimes, unfortunately, we see that as happening outside of our function. And I'm hoping that today's discussion helps us to shift that thinking where we can originate some of the innovation ourselves. And here to talk about that, among other topics, is Karen from United Health Group. Karen, welcome to the conversation.
0: Thanks, Ben. I'm excited to be
1: here, and uh, excited to talk to, to you today. Awesome. Well, I'm I'm thrilled to have you here, and in our conversation, getting ready for this, you had some great ideas, things to share, and so I can't wait to dive into those. Before we get too deep into the discussion, though, why don't you start us off? Tell us who you are and what you do.
0: My name is, as you know, Karen Wagner, and I am the talent transformation leader for United Health Group, helping transform our talent experience uh, for our organization.
1: When you're not transforming that talent experience, what do you like to do, Karen?
0: When I'm not transforming that talent experience, <laughs> I love to go sailing with my husband and my small child, as well as do woodworking and my free time building everything from cutting boards to playground steps.
1: Really? That is so fun. That's really neat. I have a good friend that does the the cutting boards and things like that. And it's just an amazing thing. I am not handy at all. That is not my skill set. So I'm always (laughs) thankful for someone who has that capability to see something where it's not there and they can see it in their head and they can make it come to life. That's so much fun. So really neat, fun stuff. So Besides woodworking, you have some other superpowers that we're actually going to dive into today. I am excited to, to talk about this discussion broadly of innovation and some of the other things I alluded to at the intro. So just to get our feet wet a little bit, let's talk about innovation because, as I, as I said, we sometimes see that as something that happens to us in the HR function. Someone tells us what to do, or it happens in some other part of the business and we're just business as usual. But I'd love to think that innovation can come within HR that we can rethink how we're doing things. I'd love for Mm -hmm. you to put your spin on that. What do you think? What do you think about that? Is that too pie in the sky or is that reality? Is that possible?
0: Oh, it's so possible. And in fact, uh, such a dearth of need for it. In fact, human capital or human resources, whatever your organization refers to it as is ripe for actually innovation right now. And I know there's a lot of external market pressure around innovating with with technology, which seems like an easy space for people to go into and innovate with technology to drive more process improvement or a better experience or to reduce cost, But innovation doesn't have to be a technology. It, it can be as simple as learning from other industries or functions what they're doing to drive a better outcome for their particular function. If the marketing team is, is doing some sort of a process improvement for their function, could that apply to human capital? If the financial services industry has happened upon something that's innovative in how they deliver a particular service, could that work? I mean, professional services firms are structured similar to how human capital is structured in many organizations, could that be applied? So innovation is definitely a place of great opportunity within human capital and something we should be constantly looking out for how we can leverage what others done in other areas and apply it to human resources function
1: so you gave some really interesting examples there some of them inside the business watching other functions some of them outside the business and i'm curious do you always have your for lack of a better term your innovation radar are you you always scanning for ideas is there Mm -hmm. a certain hey i like to read a couple of different things that help me to stay abreast of this what is your way of staying in touch with that because it feels. Like that could become overwhelming pretty quickly to to be like, okay, is that an idea I need to look at? Or is is that an idea over there? They're doing something different than me. Should I think about that? I'm trying to figure out if there's a balance between like always having the floodgates open or is it just you sift through, you're looking for those uh, diamonds in the rest of the stuff that you're just picking through. I'm curious how you would, you, you approach that personally.
0: Yeah. So the personal approach my husband hates is I'm always looking for an innovation, whether it's trying to cut 30 (laughs) seconds off my daily commute or uh, trying to streamline how we load the dishwasher, right? So my mind might be a little bit wired that way, but everybody can be doing this thought pattern of constantly scanning the environment. And you're right, it could be overwhelming because everything can be changed. It's just choosing your moments and choosing the place, Uh, being strategic, uh, the overused word of strategic about where you want to actually make a change, where it drives the greatest value. Um, Constantly looking for innovation is definitely something to help feed the funnel of ideas, if you will. Um, But taking that funnel and winnowing it down is some of the art of how innovation happens in an organization and even in personal lives. So taking all the ideas that are out there, but then putting it through a funnel and and trying to figure out what ones are the ones you wanna do is some of the art
1: of innovation. That's really intriguing. I love that. So we've got, we've talked about how to get ideas, how to look for ideas, how to capture those in, in some ways. What, what are the next steps in terms of taking that idea and actually making it come to life I mean, you, to trans to the parallel. You talked about, I talked about woodworking earlier. You said you do that. I'm like, it's that, that escapes me because you have to envision something that's not there yet and think about what it takes to make that appear. The same thing applies here. That's a great idea. But then, how do we actually start translating those ideas into actions that we can take?
0: So, the translation of ideas into action is something where, when somebody has a, a vision in their head and you are or maybe somebody who's responsible for translating it into action, or versus when you have the idea yourself and translating in action, are, are kind of two different things. So if you're in a situation or I'm in a situation, which I commonly am, or somebody else has a, a vision for how to accomplish it, a lot of times I start with a lot of why questions like why are you trying to do it, what are you trying to drive, what's the value at the end of it, what does success look like if you were to accomplish this, what does that taste, touch, feel, look, like, what would people be saying, feeling, thinking, or doing when this is successful? So I'm usually at the beginning when I'm translating somebody else's vision for innovation, asking a lot of questions about what they're trying to accomplish, why they're trying to accomplish it, what benefits and value are they driving from it? And and what becomes clear as you start asking those questions is that vision becomes a little bit of your vision. You can start to feel, taste, and touch it too. They've been motivated you, inspired you, and, and you can start to figure out, okay, I can see why their vision is so important. And then, then the work begins of taking the answers to all those questions of, right, what does that mean in terms of resources? What does that mean in terms of process? Who are the players and the relationships and stakeholders who are give, gonna give a dang about whether you do it or not? And who are maybe some of those people that are obstacles to getting it done? So it's really reading the landscape, understanding the players, understanding the resources and the processes and the people that are impacted by it and and putting that down, I I would say on paper and starting to navigate through it, right? Plot your course through it. It it can feel overwhelming at first, but um, continuing to make, I don't know, inroads into it, into that kind of that translation on the paper or into whatever format you use is some of the way in which you, you actually do translate innovation into reality, because you got to keep pressing at it, keep asking, keep pushing. Frankly, I've earned the nickname of bulldog because I just keep pushing at it until everybody can clearly get there. It's not an easy process. And that's why it is such a thing that stutters in organizations so often, because it really does take a lot of effort to translate innovation into reality.
1: It's really about behavior change in a lot of ways some in the different ideas and, and concepts you've laid out like telling someone an idea is the easy part getting them to buy into it is harder Getting them to actually do something after that is even harder it gets you know more complex and, and exponentially more difficult every step you go down that path from oh that's interesting look at what you know karen shared all the way to okay now we're having to do that thing that she shared six months ago and it's time to actually implement that and man, it sounded fun but now it's hard and behavior <laughs> change is just, it's the difficult part of what we do. And sometimes what that part is overlooked, but I love the, the concepts you just shared because that was really about casting a big vision, getting people bought into it, helping them to not just perceive it, but to feel it. i love loved those ideas there. And you, one of the things that you talked about doing that from someone else's idea. Someone brings you an idea and you start pulling that out of them, teasing that out of them, figuring out how you can put that into action, how you can make that work is it you said it's a little bit different if it might be your own idea i'd imagine some of those things Mm -hmm. are the same where you're trying to cast that vision you're trying to get them to buy into it but i've yet to meet anyone who works in the hr function anywhere that controls all the variables all the budget all the people all the things Mm -hmm. and um so that how do you approach it differently if it's your idea is it is there some some variance there that's worth exploring
0: yeah, so the variance on when it's your idea versus somebody else is is really vetting out whether it's an idea that you want to take forward because you know you might have a thousand ideas in your head, right, that you think are amazing ideas, and I have a thousand ideas in my head, and I can tell you with a hundred percent certainty my will, team will tell you that not all of them are good ideas, right? <laughs> so vetting out what are the ideas that actually matter and what are the ideas that could drive a true transformative change, not incremental change, but true transformative change or innovative change. And, and that gets to the why you're doing it and the benefit that is really going to be realized from it. And you have to spend a lot of time and thought into that. And, and you have to be thinking through the entire system of impact. So I think one of the big variances is when it's your own idea is understanding the entire system of impact. Other people have vision or are sharing their vision, right? And you're translating the vision for them have already considered a lot of the system impacts and they're trying to persuade you. When it's your own vision, some of the work that the that you need to do as the person with the vision or the visionary is understand the entire system of impact. It has been so common in my experience that people will come forth with a, something they would dub as innovative. And it's really small in its impact or scale. Right? It's like an incremental change that isn't truly transformative. It might be beneficial. That would be more in the process improvement category. And then the other side of what I typically see when people bring forth an innovative idea is it's an innovation that benefits a group of a small group versus the whole. So if you're trying to drive and want to drive a truly transformative change, play through that idea. Who else is impacted in human resources? In my space, I spend a lot of time in talent. And I need to make sure my compensation colleagues are not impacted, or if they are, they're brought along. Our talent development folks are, if they're impacted, they're brought along or a part of the solution. Is it bringing your human capital generalists that are on the front line? Are they involved or somehow impacted? It's thinking through the system of people that are impacted. And then when you're the visionary, the big difference versus when others are the visionary is you have to seed that idea in multiple places with others so that they can start to see, feel, taste, and touch that vision. And it truly is a seed. You plant a seed with COP, or you plant a seed with talent development or you plant a seed with the human capital folks. And you're planting that seed in many places. And then you gotta go back and water it, right? You gotta feed it a little bit, you gotta give it a little sun so other people can start to see that vision kind of emerge. And if you do it with art and grace that true innovators do in corporate America, it starts to feel like it's other people's ideas, even though you were the seed and you were the originator of that vision. And when you see it comes to life, it becomes this moment of great pride that you've grown this entire field of outcomes, if you will.
1: Goodness gracious, there's so much I could dive into based on what you just said. I think I'll tackle that last piece because you laid out this process so far in the last 20 minutes or so that could sound very scientific, but the two words you just used were the most unscientific words you could. You said art and grace as part of this. And where's the balance there? Is this, we need to think through this like it's a very logical process. We need to think through and have some planned steps. And that sounds very scientific and logical and process oriented, yeah. but the flip side of it is, is you said right there, there is some art to it uh, knowing. You, that's a great idea, but it's not gonna. It doesn't feel like it's gonna have the big enough impact for enough people for us to be for it to be worthwhile, right? We can only support and survive so much change in the organization, and if I'm gonna make a choice, that feels like maybe not the right one. So I'll go with the other direction. And so I'm kind of curious, is there a balance between that, the, the art and the science piece of that? It, it might not be that there is, but my head oh, wants to classify <laughs> it as one of those, it's going to be one or the other.
0: Yeah, I think it's both actually. And and the science process, which is how my brain is wired, and I've learned more of the art of it over the years, is is an important part of it. And there is definitely a balance. The art of it is is a lot around who are the players, where are they at, and it's the time. And knowing the, those moments to bring it forth, that I would put as some of the art of it. And maybe i need to think a little bit deeper on that but really that there's a time and a place for everything and if you're i don't know an example i have is my leader's crabby one day and i go in with this innovative idea that i'm so excited about that is not the moment to to shine your light on your innovation they're going to say no because they're just not in the mood and yes. even if the time is right for the organization you still have to bring individuals along. And that's the art of it is bringing the individual along and those timing, the timing and moments in which to bring those individuals along, they do become apparent um, as you read the individuals you're
1: working with. So the relationship piece is really where the art part falls in.
0: Yeah, the relationship is definitely a great way to classify that. I'm just trying to think if there's any, any other places that I'd say the art of it is something that matters.
1: That's a good um, one, though. But yeah, it's a great let's one. dig into the relationship piece a little more, if okay. you don't mind, because I think that's no, a. No. Again, I made the joke earlier. We don't own everything. but We also we have a lot of partnering we do. We have a lot of other stakeholders in the business, and there there are some decisions we make in HR that are only within our four walls. But the mm-hmm. but a lot of decisions we make affect large swaths of the workforce or our leaders, of the managers, who, whichever you know, lens we put on that initiative. And so that is a a challenging part for a lot of us who've worked in any company ever. I'll go ahead and broaden that (laughs) scope. We have to navigate the complexities of the relationships, understanding what other people want. And you gave the example, right, of of just that that relationship to your own leader and what they're feeling like and how you approach them that one day. And that's a microcosm for all the leaders interacting with from an HR perspective. And over a long period of time, that makes it, again, more complex to think about. So any suggestions, tips, ideas, strategies, whatever you've got there around the navigating the complexities of the relationships and sorting through how to do that. Again, maybe it's more strategically, maybe it's just having a little more of an artful touch, whichever way you want to take that. It doesn't matter. But I'd love to hear some ideas from you on that.
0: Sure, sure, sure. A couple of ideas that come top of mind. Interestingly, many times when we are promoting or trying to influence others to our our way of thinking, we use pronouns such as I or me or we. It's a it's a bit of a trick to try to start translating your talk track into the focus on what the business problem is and what the business issue is or the business imperative is. You start to take the pronouns out of it and you start to talk in languages that other people um, hear with less emotion. So if you talk in terms of your customer, you talk in terms of your business partner, and you talk, framing things that way is a a beautiful way to take some of that art into the conversation. Uh, Timing, as we talked about, is definitely a factor. The other kind of trick that I use quite a bit, actually, is to recognize who I'm trying to influence. And I don't always go and directly influence them, right? So usually I'm aware of who the people are that are making decisions that are influenced by their maybe direct reports or their network. So figuring out who is influencing who and then going to influence influencer, if that's not a complex thought. Right <laughs> there. But um, sometimes the best way to get the decision maker to buy into an idea is to get the people that influence that decision maker to buy into the idea and they will do the influencing for you it's a tactic. I use a ton that, that, that delivers great outcomes. And I hope I'm not telling my secrets so that all the rest of my organization was how I do it. So We'll
1: make sure and exclude them. So they can't hear all these great <laughs> ideas when it comes out now, that actually, the way you said that influencing the influencer piece, can I tell you a quick story that kind of illustrates that in my head? Um, yeah. I have a good friend used to be a CHRO for a large organization in North America. And he was trying to, get this initiative passed just to make it broad so it captures you know a lot of the use cases out there trying to get this initiative passed and he knew that if he went in the into the board meeting and laid out his plan it didn't matter as you said earlier how good it was he had checked all the boxes he had answered all the questions they still would have pushed back and asked on asked for feedback from some of the other people in the room and so he actually went to those other people before the meeting ever happened and said I want your input on this. Will you give me your ideas? Did I miss anything that you're seeing? Like, what did I miss? Is there a, is there something that needs to be added in this? Should we adjust the number somehow? And so he had those pre meetings with them. So when it came to the actual live presentation, this is his, his, Super Bowl, for lack of a better term for him. He's ready. He's ready to go. They turned and they asked that person, Hey, what do you think about this? And like, Hey, I've already been through all the numbers. It looks solid. I would agree with it. And it gets approved immediately. But it's because he didn't wait until the, too late. He used some of the ideas you're talking about here. And I, I never thought, stopped to think about influencing the influencer there. But that was a good example of how like the people that ultimately made the decision were influenced by the person that he spent time with. And so he was strategic in that way. So he already knew maybe your secret. But in general, that's something that most of us don't do very well in most of the decisions. It's I prepare, I'm ready, I am going to go and deliver this. And in some cases, it is the pronoun piece too. Like you talked about, here's my idea. I think we should do this. Here's how we can X, Y, Z, instead of looking at it through the lens of what the business needs and using those terms that, as you said, might not evoke so much of a a visceral or emotional response.
0: No. Well, and the beautiful part about influencing the influencer and and going through those conversations, whether it's formal or informal or seeding it wherever you see it or need to see it, is that oftentimes they'll have an idea or two or some sort of refinement that makes your idea even better and so you're building something with your colleagues that they have some emotional involvement and some ownership if you will in with you so you're bringing people into your solution they're seeing the vision along the way so it's a it's a beautiful combination when you can do that
1: actually one of the Funny enough, I've heard someone recently talking about inventions, which mm-hmm. seems like a, a very logical extension of the conversation today, sure. <laughs> and he was telling, he said, when I told someone that's got an invention, this new idea, he said, I most people want to be very secretive, keep it under wraps. Like, oh, you yeah. want to talk to me? You have to sign a non-disclosure agreement before I'll even show you what it is. And he said, my, my advice to someone creating something new is go out and tell everybody that you can, because... You will start to hear you're saying refinement ideas. You'll get support. People are like, oh, where do I get that? I, you know, I like it, but if they don't know about it, they can't support it. And so I, that ties back to your, you keep saying though, you know, seed these ideas, lay them out there, put them out, and when it's time to come and and reap what you've sown, there will be opportunities available. But if you've kept it a secret, you've waited till the very end to release it, it's tightly under wraps, and no one else knows about it. You can't have anyone else be your supporter. No one else is going to be your ambassador, your champion, if they're kept in the dark the entire time.
0: Yeah, that, that, that's so spot on. And I, I love the the direction you're, you're taking the conversation because it really plays into the other part of innovation, which is not all the ideas are good ones. And so when you go out and socialize it, as you just described, and it's a terrible idea, which they happen you're going to get feedback and pointing out where something is or is not a great idea and taking that feedback. I think that's the other art of, of innovation. You have to listen to what other people are saying to you. If they're telling you it's not going to work for X or Y or Z reason, you have to hear it and you have to understand why they're saying it. And you have to prove that in fact, whatever it is you're solving with, or the innovation you're bringing is actually going to solve that problem. And they're not maybe better said is many people are not naysaying or being negative on something because they don't want to change. They're being negative on something because they actually see some problems with it and you will have to fix the problem that, that they're highlighting for you. So that's probably the other part of the art is actually listening, like really hearing it and not taking it personal. When somebody says, Oh, your idea is missing X or Y or Z.
1: Yes there are some people but they're few and far between that wake up in the morning yeah. like how can I tell someone no today yeah. <laughs> how can I rain <laughs> on their parade let's go find let's go find something and ruin it for them in general people do want they do want it to succeed they do mm-hmm. want others to have an idea that's going to end up being successful as we're talking about here some, some innovation some change has a degree of, of pain to it just because it's changed in in nature mm-hmm. but sometimes it's leading to positive outcomes and people are like i want to get to that even if it's tough it takes some time it takes some effort i want to get to those outcomes but they're trying to help and uh, provide advice however they can i love that man goodness okay so i have i've taken a ton of notes in this conversation i am i don't know what everybody else but i've learned some some great ideas and things as we're wrapping up is there you maybe have a piece of advice or two that you want to reiterate or share, like just in general for someone listening like, number one, I want to be cared when I grow up. And number two, those are, you know, I, I've loved the ideas. What's the thing I should do first. Is there a suggestion, an idea, a step there that you might should pass the audience as we're kind of wrapping up again, it could be reiterating something you've said or something else you didn't share, but you've been holding it for the last minute. It does not matter. I'd love to hear from you. What advice you give someone to take that kind of first step.
0: Wow, so many ideas running through my head. Uh, One I didn't cover that I think is really an important thought that I I spent a lot of time and energy in is putting chips in the bank and the concept of putting chips in the bank. Uh, A lot of times my relationships I've had and built with people over time that that allow me to seed things very regularly is making sure that I'm helping them in kind. So the networks and relationships that I, I have with people. If somebody's asking me for a favor or for some help or for some sort of um, assistance, even if it's painful in the moment, trying to help them and put some chips in the bank. So when you need to call on that same kind of person and say, hey, uh, I need a, your help with this, you have some, if you will, chips in the bank or money in the bank that they're willing to withdraw and give back to you because you've given in kind. So I would say that's one of the first things you can be doing is making sure you're serving all your colleagues and peers around you in a way that helps them because that will ultimately help you as well.
1: I love that. The best time to plant a tree yesterday, the best time to help someone else yesterday. So when it's time to, to call that in, you have that available. I guess one other thing that I'm thinking as you shared that piece, because that the idea, the concept of here's, I'm going to do this thing for you. You didn't say it like this. Okay. I'm, I'm saying it like this on purpose. I'm going to do this for you just so I can get something from you later. You didn't say it like that, but that can feel very, I can't it, like on the science side of this equation, we talked about back and forth today, but it uh, It is more of an art. Hey, I'm, I'm just doing the right thing. I'm trying to be supportive. You usually yeah. serve. I'm just trying to help you because I want to help you because it's the right thing to do. And yeah. at some, there's no, there's very few times where you can plant this or plot, this linear path from, I helped you on August the 17th and on mm-hmm. September the 26th, yeah. I, I made a request of you and you either did it or you didn't do it. It doesn't. It's not that clear cut in real mm-hmm. life. Yeah. Uh, our head might think about the, 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 the chips idea like you shared, but in reality, it's you're just doing good things for people and when the time comes, they're, they're willing and able and interested in supporting, whether it's through some critical feedback or through uh, what can I do to get the word out about this? Because I think this is the next, the right next step for us.
0: Yeah. You're right. It can seem a little bit self-serving at times that you're serving others because you think you're going to cash in the chips. And man, if that came across that way, that is not my intent no, 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 no. at all. Because really, my, 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 my thought is never to do something to help others in a way in which it serves me back. I mean, they need help. And those chips are in the bank for whatever you need at some point in the future, whether you want them to be there or not. Yeah, serving the, the mindset of serving because it's the right thing to do to serve others. and. The whole concept of servant leadership, it, it really surrounds that mindset of just serving others because it's the right thing to do. You know? yeah.
1: That's what I picked up from you. And I guess while yeah. I said, this is not what you said, I, I, I painted it in this very bleak picture. I I I oh, wow. <laughs> not calling you out. So well, the, I made the, the joke about the planting a tree. But the other thing that came to me was right now, you probably know people, I know people who are out of work right now and like yeah. they're like, oh, I should be networking. Like the time to network is not when you need it. It's before you need it. And the mm-hmm. same thing is here. Don't start being kind to someone just so that something in return. Be kind to them, serve them, support them, love them. Goodness, you spend a lot of time with them. They work, you work with them. Mm-hmm. Do those things because you need to, not because you're, you're getting something out of it. And at times there may be other benefits that someone's willing to step up and support you or and emotionally invest in your idea, things like that. But it's, again, it's not cold and calculating. It's just... That creates a better and more positive workplace for everybody when we're, when we default to, I just want to help. I just want to support.
0: Exactly. Yeah, no, well said. Very well said.
1: I'm channeling my inner Karen. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, maybe. No, goodness, who knows? So if someone is, goodness, I want to say, if someone's enjoyed this, everyone has enjoyed this conversation. If they want to learn more about, organization they want to learn more about the work that you do just connect with you is there a way to do that
0: yeah you can always uh check out united health group at our our company website and i'm out fairly often and happy to chat with people
1: via linkedin we're gonna get you get get your connections built out there perfectly awesome Uh, karen i've laughed a lot Uh, you have too this has been so much fun i've learned a lot too this has been just an amazing conversation i am so thankful to have the opportunity to spend some time with you today, to learn from you. And I know everyone else has, has appreciated this as well. Thank you. Thank you so much.
0: Well, thank you. And thanks for the time. And I hope it's been helpful for others. I definitely think that it's great to drive innovation in organizations in the human capital. And if this has provided the nuggets to do that, I love it.
1: Wonderful. To everybody else, I hope you enjoyed hearing from Karen today. Remember, the links will be in the show notes for the episode. Stay tuned for more We're Only Human. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today. I'm honored to have you as a listener. If you enjoyed this episode, please take 10 seconds to rate it at iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Also, if you know a friend that could benefit from today's conversation, please pass it their way. After all, a rising tide lifts all ships. To see show notes, sponsor information, and our full show archives, visit OnlyHumanShow.com.